Welcome to Align Your Practice, an exploration of the seamless relationship between the business of chiropractic and the future of natural health care. Join us as we engage with an array of talent, from seasoned experts to passionate new entrepreneurs. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Esposito. Hello, this is Dr. Joe Esposito with the Align Your Practice podcast, where today's episode, we're going to be talking about strategic planning, especially end of year strategy planning. We have our one of our repeat guests, Dr. Joe Clarino, good friend, amazing doctor, and a great leader in the profession. So, Doc, let's let's break this down. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. So, yeah, end of year strategy, it's, it's interesting. I remember talking to you a couple of weeks ago, and you were just... Um, you were just lit up about the impact that uh, this particular strategy session had with your team because you actually let the team run the strategy session. So I know there's many steps to get to that point. First is have one, master it, right, before you hand it off. But I think going through the mindset of the importance of doing the strategies where we could start, uh, we can go back to when you started or I started practice. Uh, the best planning we had was you know, waking up today and saying, what should we do today? Like that was, yeah, that was where, where we started. Um, I got to, I got to tell a quick story of my first day in practice. This is how good my planning was. We sat down, I had two staff, neither of them had job descriptions, so I don't know what they were going to do. And I sat there and I said, okay, uh, can you please take some notes? She says, we don't have pens. I'm like, well, you know, call office depot. They said, we don't have a phone. I said, okay. <laughs> so every step we were taking, we had nothing to get it done. So that was my first strategy. <laughs> but, so, tell me your journey, where you are, and how you got to where you are now to help doctors on their journey. Um, you know, it, it's just been uh, an evolution of just doing things wrong over and over again, and then to eventually figuring out what to do right. And that has been the biggest thing from my whole career is I am very, very good at doing things wrong and making <laughs> And it costed me lots and lots of money. And um, and one of the reasons that I've just dedicated so much time and energy to coaching and leading chiropractors, you know, is just because it is, I don't want them to go through what I went through. I mean, I literally, if it wasn't for my wife, I've, you heard me say this before, if you listened to my podcast, I never would have been doing chiropractic to this day if it wasn't for my wife. I would have got out a long time ago. I would have quit. I would have bailed. I would have been part of the 70 something percent that fail in this profession because it just wasn't for me. It, it was a very difficult thing to do because no one gave me the tools and the equipment to know how to do it. Um, and I was, I didn't have any leadership. I didn't have any mentorship. I had nothing understanding. So I just did it trial by fire. And that's a hard way to run a business, especially a chiropractic business. So that was kind of the reason that I get into this. And now we do this thing called uh, realizing your vision in the franchise, which is probably a 10 out of 10. It's the most important training we do all year. And it is, it is hands down the most important thing we do all year. And why is that? Because people say train, they have to uh, budget, they have to hire. Like, why would you say it's the most important? That's a big statement. Well, you know, it's one, you have to understand where you've been to know, understand where you're going, right? If you don't know where you've been, it's impossible where you're going. And um, I also like to saying, you know, you got to, people will be like, oh, well, you don't want to look back to... You, don't look back unless you plan to go that way. No, when it comes to business, you got to look back to go forward. You have to understand where you've been to understand where you're going next. And numbers don't lie. Numbers tell you everything. And when you're in the world of business, you have to track and measure everything. 
And if you're measuring it and you understand where you've where you're being successful and where you're not being successful inside your practice, there's no way on earth you can project for growth in a future year unless you understand exactly what you've done right and done wrong. And the only way to do that and 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 realistically project it. I used to come up with numbers for next year and be like, well, we did X this year. Let's just do double. Like we just make it up. <laughs> you know, it's just because it was like, it felt good, right? And and then what happens is feeling good doesn't equate to month three when you're like, we're nowhere close to even doing that. So then you have to understand what have we've done? What are we capable of? And once, what's a realistic goal? What's a big, hairy, audacious goal? And then how do I set the goal? And then how do I reverse engineer that goal so that whatever you're doing in your clinic, you know exactly, and I this is how we go through it, from shift to shift, you know exactly how many people you have to see, how many new patients you need, how many supplements you sell, like how many progress reports you should have, how many report of findings should you have. You have it analyzed a year ahead of time so that when it comes down to granular on Monday, January 1st, you have now set this the ship and sail. You're not eating an elephant. You're not looking at an you know, elephant and going, oh my God, I can't eat it. You're looking at literally this much. You're like, oh, I could chew that all day. And before you know it, you eat the whole elephant. That's really where it comes from. Yeah, I think when we look at, we all want to do the forecasting, like you said. We're all excited to state what we want to do this year, but a lot of us don't do the reflection of the past. And I think when we look back, what I think of, there's three potential decisions uh, based on the past. You either didn't have a plan, you had a plan, but you didn't follow the plan, or you followed the plan, but it wasn't strong enough of a plan. And the realization on any of those, like I did exactly what I said I was going to do, but next year I know I got to have a lot more juice in the plan to hit that number because we did it all and we did it well and it wasn't enough. Because usually we have these big goals, we have moderate plans and we have low, uh, like be, do, have. We have low being, average uh, doing and really big haves, be, do, have. Like we have this big goal, medium plan and very bad uh, beingness or, or attention. So anyway, I think those are the three things you want to figure out if you're listening to this or watching this is, did you did you follow the plan? Did you have a plan? Did you follow the plan? And was the plan strong enough? One of those is usually the gap. And then you got to figure out what behaviors could you have implemented last year that would have probably gotten you to the goal or better than what you did this past year. Then you can go forecast the future. Right. And to our friend Stephen Branson's mindset, he's always talking about that base case, worst case, and um, best case, base case, and worst case. Base case would be whatever you did a year ago, the growth trend, 10% last year, you're probably going to do 10% growth this year. You did 30% last year, you're probably going to do 30% this year because that's the consciousness of your team. But then you look at best case, which is the stretch goal, what behaviors have to change because you can't do the same thing to get there. And then the opposite side, what's the worst case, which is an exposure of your risks. What are the three, four things that you're exposed on that could make you have less than the average case, like go backwards. And then you got to fill in those holes, the gaps of that exposure. So anyway, I thought that was good stuff from Steven and good stuff from looking at the past of reflection. And then you can go to the forecast, like you said. Practical for doctors, right? For people that are out there, practicality, like put rubber yeah. on the road, right? Because that's where I think people get, all words are words until you have practicality, right? So practicality would look something like this, right? So you average 30 new patients a month, average. So 30 times 12 is 360 new patients a year. And you say, okay, well, based on that number, 
I was able to retain 70% of those people that came in the door, signed care plans, and are still active patients with me. Well, based on those numbers, if you actually kept all those people, and we have a calculation for that, but you would probably be around 350, 400 a week, you would probably be seeing with just based those numbers if you kept everybody in there. But not everybody keeps everybody because there's always a leaky bucket somewhere, right? So when you send, you have to figure out what the leaky bucket is, and that's your stick rate. So that would say, okay, how many people are actually resigning my care plans, started and stayed and actually resigned? So you would say, okay, well, uh, let's say 50% of those people are actually stuck. Well, there's part of your leaky bucket. So now you want, you're looking at that and say, well, I want to get to 450 visits a week. Okay, that's great. Last year, I grew 10%. Year before, I grew 10% to go back to your point. Pro likelihood is you're going to grow 10% if you do exactly what you did. Well, then you have to look at your marketing. What did we do this year that we marketed? Well, we of those 30 people, 15 were average, were digital. Okay, so how about last year? Year before was 15 as well. You could probably say you're going to get 15 new ones in digital a year. How much did you spend? Well, I spent $1,000. Well, I spent $1,000 last year. If you spend $1,500, $2,000, does that mean you're going to double your 15? Most likely not, but you may increase it by 50, 60%. Okay, so there's one thing. Oh, I, external leads. Well, I didn't do any external things. Okay. Or I did 27. I have a, my, uh, one of our franchises, Dr. Matt, he probably did 27, 30 different external events last year. Of those, about five or six of them actually were good. The other 20 something were not. So what we did was we said, okay, we're not doing anything like that this year. We had to get momentum and just put our hands in cookie jars to get cookies. Well, now we realize that there's no cookies in these jars. We're not doing that again. But we are going to put our hands in this cookie jar because we know there's a lot of cookies in that jar. So then we, okay, so now we strategically lay those out over the year and we can predict solidly how many we're going to get externally. Now we're going to put more money into digital and we can project how much we should get on, on digital from year after year and increasing our budget and doing that. Oh, and by the way, we did no social posts last year. We did no social activity. Well, if we do some more social activity, we can reinforce our ads. Well, if we post twice a week, the likelihood of our ads coming in healthier are going, to, are going to be probably about at least 15, 20% of a stickier ad if we are doing social posts, right? So it's things like this that you lay on a map and then you go, okay, how are we going to socially post twice a week? It's on the calendar. It's something we do as a team. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we do social posts, right? Or someone is in charge of it on your team that says, nope, we're going to be posting Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's having these strategic things that allow you to say, I'm going to average 40 new ones in ne next year based on these five activities that I'm gonna do. And this is the reason I'm doing it differently than I did the year before. And when you have it that clear cut in your plan, does it always work exactly to your plan? No, but you, I guarantee you'll come damn close, if not surpass your goal, if you do it that way. And I think that's some of the value in a line life when we have that market event report, we're looking at ROI of how many came in, how many did we screen, how many did we close, how many stayed, and then you start looking at the whole year, like you said. So even if you just paid tuition, meaning that you didn't win, but you learned, um, you know not to do it next year. So you actually are getting value from that of like, we know not to do that event last year. So you're either doing it the same, you're doing it better, or you're not doing it. All three are big, big wins for your success the following year. So every year you're gaining more insight and education more people learn. And then, like you said, it becomes more of reach the goal. In the beginning, you used to just say, let's double. And there was no credence to it. There's no data to evaluate. It was just, we're going to double. 
So and it never happened. One of our franchise, the example I gave you, so I said, we're going to stick with these six things next year because those things had, had cookies in the cookie jar. And then I said, I want you to try six new ones that we that were different from the other 20-something. So he's like, oh, I don't have to do 24 more? No, you don't got to do 24 more because now you've got six good ones. And if you find two or three out of the six that you're going to do now, wow, now we got nine good ones. And now we now imagine if we do next year, we find now we got nine and we do six new ones. Now we're going to have 12 good ones in year three. And that you can go back to the well year in and year out. And you know what you're particularly going to get from that, from an external event. You're not looking, you're not searching, you're not going crazy. But that's the effort and energy and, 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 um, and attention to detail that you have to put into it so you understand what you're doing. What most chiropractors do, they do it once, twice. They say, oh, it sucks. It was horrible. And they don't want to go back to it. They don't know why it was horrible. They don't know what they did. They don't know, was it their setup? Was it their communication? They just go out and say it was bad. Not saying that everything that we did was bad and we just never go back to it. But we went through it and said, why was it bad? What could we have done better? And is it worth going back to again? Some of those things we've gone back to and it was better because we changed our tactic. Some of those yeah. things we went back to and it was still horrible. It's not worth yeah. your time. It's not worth your time. Well, without, without documenting these events that we talk about, life, uh, you're just going to keep throwing stuff on the wall, hoping that it sticks and you're still going to burn money. So you're going to burn a lot more money your first three years of practice and resources. And what you want to recoup is time and money to reallocate it to get that growth. We don't want to, a lot of people think to double your practice is double the time and double the effort. It's really not. It's just more uh, refinement on the utilization of resources and dollars, right? I mean, that's, that's well, how you in your, in, and in realize, 100% and realizing your vision, I think something else we do in there that's hands down important besides having a, a good marketing plan, right? Is, okay, who's going to help you get there? And so what happens often is chiropractors don't know how to hire, when to hire, where to hire. And so what happens, they just go out there and they just start bringing people on board that they think they like and understand. And we have broken it down to the granular, literally to personalities and job descriptions to literally, why do you need this next person? And are they going to play nice in the sandbox with your current team? Because the worst thing you can have is two people in the sandbox hit each other head with the, the shovels. It doesn't work, right? Nor can you have two people in the sandbox that don't even have to build a sandcastle. Neither one of those are bad. So the idea is that when you put them in the, sand in the sandbox, they're both building the sandcastle for the same reason so that you and everybody else in your practice can win. That's how you build a good team. We teach that hands down, I think, some of the best things in the profession because one, you're not waiting till the rev limit are so high where you're like, they're stressed out of their mind, the one or two employees, and they're like, ah. and then you hire someone and then they try to train them and they're crazy trying to train and work. And then, then the person quits because they weren't trained properly. And now two, three times later, and now they all quit. So you don't want that, right? So we're like, okay, when is the right trip line to hire that person based on your economics, based on your vision and based on your needs? And we clearly define that for you. And when you understand that, you're not guessing in business. You know exactly when to step. It's you know where the landmines are and you're not going to get blown up. Imagine running through landmines and knowing where to go. You know what I mean? So you're saying with the realize your vision training that you're doing, it's not just projecting revenue. You're saying it's literally planning the staffing, the next level of your org board 
in December for the whole next year that you're setting your plan, the budget for those people, where are you getting the money, the marketing, the training, everything laid out. So you know all your trainings you're attending as a team the whole year. You know everything's laid out. There's no crisis. There's no last minute decision. I don't know. I think that's, I see your point in why it's the number one thing that someone can do in their practice because it's not just planning. People think planning, they just think of revenue, right? That's all it is. It's well, everything to do with practice. Me and you are both visionaries, right? So we're really good at tr creating a vision. But what we're really not good at is putting, making un people understand how to practically put the vision into play. So we're like, yeah, let's go conquer the hill. And everybody's like, yay. And they're like, do we have equipment? We're like, no, equipment, conquer the hill. Like, you know what I mean? Who cares, right? And so now having people on your team that are like, hey, doc, we're going to need shovels. We're going to need water. We're going to need food. We're going to need tents. Oh, yeah. And this is how we're going to do it. But we can't afford the shovels right now. We got the tents, but we're going to need water. And we're going to, uh, okay, when can we get that? Well, if you do your marketing plan and we do it successfully, by the end of first quarter, we can bring, we can buy more shovels. And then if we do that properly, by the end of second quarter, we can climb the mountain. And by fourth quarter, we should be on top of the mountain. Wow. Yeah. What a great idea. Versus me going and running up the mountain, failing, coming down the mountain, regrouping, and running up the mountain six times and realize, oh, I need shovels and tents and water. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't work. We solve all that and put that in front of you so that you're now able to go, this is when I'm going to buy a shovel. This is how I'm going to get the water. This is the people I'm going to need around me. And this is how we're going to, this is the plan to get up the mountain. What an amazing freedom in business to do that. And the difference, the difference I think would be is 20 years ago, you may have sat down and started to create a plan after, you know, failing forward fast every year and you're just doing your own thing. Then you started to plan, but you were planning by yourself and then you're presenting by yourself. This is the plan and you're going to work hard at it. And some of you on this, listening to this podcast are starting to get to that point where you're laying your plan out and then you're selling it or you're presenting to the team. Minimal buy-in, it's you just lecturing to them and them having to take your process compared to what you and I do now, which is having leaders on our team to present what they see who are experts on operations versus visionaries like us, right? And realizing, as you put it, it's not only good, in a sense, it's better than what we can do. Speak to that a little bit of the, the where you've taken it now and how that team is actually better than one person creating the plan themselves and trying to sell it to everyone. You know, they, I think it comes with trust first. They realize that they trust that I have climbed the mountain and that I know what it takes to get there. And then what I've done is I said to them, these are the things that we need to get to the top of the mountain. And let me help you pick out the best shovel. Let me help you pick out the best tent. Let me, let me find you the best source of water. And so now what happens, they go, okay. And then they go, hey, doc, we found better tents. We found more efficient shovels. We found a better guide. We felt like, and now what happens is they've taken my vision of going to the mountaintop again, over and over again. And they've, they've made it more efficient than I've made it. And so now I am just a spectator of my own vision, which is weird when you get to that space. But what's nice is that now, because they have 100% buy-in on the vision and they are boots on the ground doing it, their, their mission and purpose is as deeply rooted as yours now. And because of that, you have built culture 
And culture is what makes teams incredibly powerful in the world of business. And when you have that culture built in, anything is possible. Anything is possible. And I believe that wholeheartedly. I think that's what, if you look at some great companies, it's always been built on culture and core values. So it's always built on. That's huge. And it's not just, you said they trust that you've been there, but you're at a point, I've seen you, your growth. You trust them to get you there now. It's yeah. Two-sided trust. It's very stuck. It's very good. When you look at Lin Chioni's book that you and I did at one of the revolutions, the base of the pyramid is vulnerability-based trust to build teams. So vulnerable, meaning like Joe said, he was vulnerable enough to hand the torch to his team and it's trust for them to be able to carry that torch. And, and that just the trust alone is an energetic exchange that, that takes them to their potential because simply of trust that they'll reach their potential. So that to me is- And a key point on this is when they climb the mountain, you know there is a pitfall right around the corner and they're headed for it. And sometimes as a leader, you have to let them fall in the pitfall, which is the hardest thing to do as a leader. Because sometimes catching them, it's like raising kids. Making your kids not get scar tissue on their knees is not a way for your kids to grow up. They got to get a little scar tissue on their knees. They got to figure out the stove's hot. Otherwise, they're never going to put their hand on it. And sometimes you got to let them make mistakes to make mistakes. And it's the hardest thing because you see it coming a mile away. And you're like, holy cow, it's, they're going to fall. And you, and you want to jump in and you're like, that's a mistake that's not going to crash the practice. It's a mistake that's going to be a, a skin on the knee. I can live with skins on knees. I can't live with gashing artery cuts and bleeding out. You know what I mean? I can't live with that. But I can live with skins on the knees. So I let them make the skin on the knee mistakes, even though I know it's wrong. And that has been probably the number one thing I've done as a leader and allowing them to do that. And it's so hard sometimes. In my favorite, one of my favorite books, Multipliers, they constantly talk about uh, letting the person go through the cycle and guiding them, but don't step in, don't step in to take over. And the whole book was riddled in that. It was so amazing yeah. how we have to do what you just said in order to build leadership or you're babysitting, you're not building leadership. So that's, that's a great point to end the podcast on. If you're listening to this and you haven't done strategic planning, you want to start doing strategic planning. You want to refine strategic planning. You want to take the next level. Please reach out to us at support at alignlife.com. Let's have a quick conversation, how we can guide you, uh, either myself or Dr. Clarino, and just have a couple of moments to talk about how we can better serve your practice. So Joe, any final thoughts closing up? No, man. Listen, if you don't know where to start, don't do nothing. Do something, right? Either find a mentor, reach out to us, do something. I think that's the, the biggest thing with practice is paralyzation. Um, when I didn't know what to do, I always did, I went back to what I did before. And what got what you did before is where it got you where you are currently. And unless you just become on being comfortably uncomfortable, you're never going to grow in the business. I don't care if it's chiropractic business or if it's selling ice cream. It doesn't matter. You got to be uncomfortable at some point in time. And the great ones learn to live in un being uncomfortable. And when you get to that space is when it really, really starts to escalate and uh, you see business through a whole different lens. Awesome. Great words to end the podcast. Thanks for all listening. Joe, thanks again for your contribution. Awesome. You're welcome, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. 
This episode was brought to you by Align Life Chiropractic and Natural Health Centers. If you're interested in creating your dream practice or want to know more about Align Life, go to alignlifepodcast.com.